Well, turning your Bibles to the book of Daniel, we're going to bring to a close this morning our study of what we call the life of Daniel and the prophecies there. It's a great study because we've seen the power and the majesty of our God, plus the faithful side of Daniel. Think about it. We've seen God controlling all things. We see all these prophecies and all of these things. And at the same time, we see Daniel in his life, and a man of God. And over the weeks, we've seen so much, and this morning, we're just going to put it together, sort of a brief review and an overview of the book. Our goal is that we can take it and make application, and that's, that's the goal, and may, may we make application from this book. When you, when you think about end times, and of course, the book of Daniel had a lot of end times in it. When you think about it, it's always exciting, and, and things like this, how, how do these events fit together, and where do you go in the Word of God to get the answers for figuring out the end times? There are a lot of people who say, well, you can't really know all this. All we know that Jesus one day is coming back. We don't even know when or where or how or, or any of that. And just the only thing that's going to happen is coming back. But others can say, no, you can know it. You can know the end times. We can know God's plan for the ages. We can see how he puts them together. We can go to the Bible, and he actually tells us these things. Now, where do you go? And the truth is this. It's not just one place. You can't just say, well, just go to Daniel chapter 9, and he gives you all the information. You have to go throughout the Bible. We've talked about this before, that you can go to Genesis 12, and you can see a promise to Abraham about the land, the seed, and the blessing to the nation of Israel. You can go to Ezekiel, and you can see those things. You can go to the book of Isaiah, and he talks not only about the thousand-year kingdom, but he talks about the eternal kingdom as well. You can go to the book of Daniel, where we've been studying, and we see all the different empires to come and go, and the Antichrist and the future. You can go to the book of Zechariah, where Jesus comes back in Zechariah chapter 12. You can go to Matthew chapter 24 and 25, where you see the time of tribulation. You can go First and Second Thessalonians, which gives it all. You can go to the book of Jude, which tells about not only the, future, the, the past, but the future. You can go to Second Peter, where he gives more information. You can take the book of Revelation, tie it back into the book of Daniel, and you can put the whole thing together. So the truth is, if you said, I want to know end times, well, you need to start looking at the different places in the Scripture where they fit together. So it's an amazing thing. For the last months, we have seen the book of Daniel. We've seen the end times. The book is special because we've seen, first of all, we've seen the details of the end time events. I mean, it is amazing when you look at this book because Daniel actually gives you what, what in his mind was the four coming kingdoms. There were actually five, but he sees these kingdoms coming. He sees a future time for the nation of Israel. He sees the time of the tribulation. He sees the, the kingdom, Jesus Christ coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This book is called Apocalyptic because it has information. Apocalyptic means the unveiling. The book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, Zechariah 14, those are called apocalyptic books or apocalyptic information because it gives that information. So we see first of all, the details of the end times. But second, in this book, we see the life of Daniel. And we watched him from a little boy, maybe when I say little boy, maybe 12, 13, 14 years old, all the way to be almost 90 years old as an old man. And what we see him is a faithful man, faithful man in a fallen world. We see how he relates to the kings and the kingdoms. We see, we see how he relate to God. How did he relate to God? And then we see how did he live in a fallen world as a man of God? And that's important for us because we're Fall, we're in a fallen world, and we want to be men and women of God. We want to live it out. So this morning, we're going to do several things. We're going to get sort of a review. We're going to get a summary of the book of Daniel, kind of put that together. And then the goal, of course, is to make application. Because the whole point of the study of the Word of God is not just knowledge. A professor Hendricks at Dallas Center used to say, why do we study the Bible? And some people would say, so we can know it. He'd say, no, you study the Bible so you can know it, so you can apply it. 
The goal is not just to gain information. The goal is to gain the truths so that we can live those out in our lives. So let's begin. Now, this card, we gave this card out when we first started the book of Daniel, and we have it on the table ever since. And you could pick this up. And sometimes, I think some of them were handed out this morning. But this is a little book, little card. If you didn't get one when you came in, as you go out on the table out there, there's a card. And it has basically Daniel and the date and the recipients and the key verses. And then on the flip side, it actually gives you an outline of the book of Daniel. So this is a great little card. If you've never noticed that on the table, on that side, as you come in, we have a thing that's like a little round thing. Well, it's got a bunch of cards like this, and they're on all the studies that we've done. So it's like Daniel and, and uh, you know, other books that we've done over the years so that you can take a little card like this, and it might say Matthew, or you can take a little card, it'll be Daniel. You can take one card that says Ruth. You can take another card, it'll say First and Second Samuel. So the books that we've done over the years, you can get these little cards, and it gives you just a big summary, an outline, and how the book is put together. That would help you in your study. So that we have those for you. When you think about it, the book of Daniel, Daniel, of course, the author. And when you think about Daniel, he was giving, given revelation from God. And that's pretty important because he saw the end times. He saw things that hadn't even happened in our time yet. And Daniel lived about 600 years before Jesus Christ. He was a Jewish young man. He was taken into captivity when he was about 14. The Babylonian Empire came in to Jerusalem and over a, a period of time took the city destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and took the Jewish people into captivity. Uh, the, the year, uh, uh, 605 B.C., Daniel, about 605 years before Christ was born, Daniel was taken into captivity. They came back again in 598 B.C. and captured the city again, and they came back in 585 B.C. and destroyed the city and leveled the temple, and it was gone. And if you're a Jewish person, the only people left in Israel and in Jerusalem were the poorest people. The poorest people. All of the other people were taken off. They were taken off to Babylon, which was the empire of the day. There had been the Assyrian Empire, then the Babylonian Empire came under a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar and took over the world and captured Israel. Now, why would God allow his people to be taken into captivity? Well, when the nation of Israel came into the land under Joshua, Moses led them up to the, the river, to the Jordan River, and then they crossed over and they conquered the land under Joshua. And God told them, if you will obey me, I will let you stay in the land because it's the land I'm giving to Israel, to you. If you obey me, you get to live in the land. If you disobey me, I will take you out of the land. And over years, they disobeyed. And God would send prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and Hosea and Joel and Amos. And he would send prophets and tell them, turn back to God before it's too late. Then it became too late. And God allowed the Babylonian Empire to come in in 605, 598, and 585 B.C. and take them off into captivity. Daniel was taken off in the first captivity. And he was brilliant. They picked the best kids, the best young guys, and they said, give, the, give us the ones that are the smartest, that are the sharpest, and we're going to train them. And they trained them for three years. And what they did is they made them learn the Babylonian language. They made them learn about the religion of the Babylonians. And the plan was to train them and use them. And Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were so brilliant that Nebuchadnezzar appointed them as some of his advisors. And it's just amazing how God used them. And, and we, we, one of the things we wanted to remember is that Daniel was not only faithful in the Babylonian Empire, but he lived long enough to, to be in the Medo-Persian Empire, which was the, the 
empire that came right after the Babylonians. There was the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, the Medio Persians, the Greco Macedonians, uh, you know, the, uh, so it just kind of went on down and, uh, to the Romans. And, and so that's what we see. Daniel was faithful in everything that he did. And so if you want to start talking about Daniel, just say faithful. Faithful from a time he was a little boy, faithful from a time he was an old man. And we see him in the book. Most of you remember one of the famous stories, Daniel in the lion's den. And most of the time when you hear Daniel in the lion's den, you probably think Daniel's 20 years old in the lion's den. He's probably 90 years old in the lion's den. That was toward the end of his life when they threw him into the lion's den. So when we read the book of Daniel, there's just so many great things. He was used during a terrible time in the history of Israel. If you were Jewish and you were taken off into captivity, and the temple was destroyed, and your city was destroyed, and most of Israel was gone, you might say, what's going to happen to us? What about us Jews? I thought we were promised by God from Abraham to Isaac, and Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob to, to Judah, and, and Joseph, and then all the way to Moses, and then Joshua, and, and, uh, and, and Samuel, uh, David. and all. I thought God had something special for us, and now it's over with. It's gone. The land's gone. The temple's gone. We're gone. Nobody's in the land. It's just a disaster. And that's what they thought. And so God gave Daniel revelation to tell the people that God was not through with the Jewish people, that at the end of 70 years, he was going to bring them back to the land, and they were going to grow and prosper again, and one day the Messiah would come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he would set a kingdom up that would never end. And that's what they hoped in. And it's going to happen. Because the Jewish people were scattered. They came back into the land. Came back into the land for a short time. And then the Romans destroyed them again. Spread them out through the whole world. And that was in A.D. 70. And all the way to 1948. Jewish people were scattered all over the whole world. And in 1948, for the first time since A.D. 70, Jewish people had a homeland. And from 1948 to now, the Jewish people are back into a land, not the whole land they're going to have, and they're not back in belief. They're not believing in the Messiah, Jesus, but they're back. And that's what Ezekiel prophesied. It'd be the dry bones that would come back. One day, Israel, the Jewish people, will trust Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior. It's going to happen. We saw it in the book of Daniel. We'll talk more about it a little bit later. So Daniel, what made him so special? Let me show you this. Daniel, his ministry was so important because he was able to bring the message of the true God to the pagans. Do you know, he told Nebuchadnezzar about the true God. He told Belshazzar about the true God. He told Cyrus, king of Persia, about the true God. He told Darius, the Persian, about the true God. He told people in a pagan world about the true God. Guess what you get to do? You get to go into a fallen pagan world and you get to tell people about the true God and Jesus Christ the Savior. He also, by dreams and visions, was able to encourage Israel that God was not through with them as a people. Because, see, most of them thought he was. In fact, today, you, you talk to some Jewish people, talk to some Jewish people who are not Christians and talk to them and say, what do you think about the nation of Israel? And they say, nothing. They say, do you think one day there will be a Messiah and a Savior? They say, no, it's over. We're just Jewish people. We just live, we're just so fortunate to have our own land. And you say to them, do you actually believe one day there will be a Messiah who will save the world? And they go, no, we don't. 
And some, well, there's a few do. And there's some who trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and understand that Jesus is the Messiah who died 2,000 years ago and that he is the Messiah and the Savior. But Daniel said, it is not over for the people. He also gives us example, an example of, 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 to all believers is how to live, to be living in a fallen world. And then he gives us the flow of end time events. And that's why most people love the book of Daniel. When you say Daniel, it goes, Daniel, oh, it's got all those dreams. It's got all that end time stuff. We want to see it. Yeah, it's good. It's got that in there. So this book is so important. When you think about the book of Daniel, it's cr- the first six chapters are chronological. They start when Daniel's a little boy, 14, 15 years old, all the way to he's an old man. And he has, there's dreams, and Daniel interprets the dreams. And then the last part of the book, chapter 7 through 12, is not chronological. It kind of skips around a little bit. Daniel is the one that has the dreams, and God sends angels to interpret the dreams for Daniel. And we saw a lot of them. The theme of the book is Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, God rules the world. It's also Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, where God sets up the kingdom. I want you to understand that when you read the book of Daniel, you understand that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is coming to this earth and setting up a kingdom and ruling in righteousness and justice. And all of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior will be a part of that kingdom. The Jewish people who know Jesus Christ as Savior will be a part of that kingdom. So as we look this morning, and we're going to go really fast. We're going to go fast. We're going to look at the character of Daniel, the character of God, and the revelation of God as found in this book. Now, we spent a long time. We spent weeks and months going through this verse by verse, passage by passage. But let's think about the character of Daniel. And if you talk about it, there's a famous little saying that says, dare to be a Daniel. Because Daniel was this great man. Daniel was a great boy. Daniel was a great middle-aged man. Daniel was a great old man. Well, then the key word with Daniel is that he's faithful. That's the key word, by the way, in your life and my life. When we stand before Jesus Christ, we want to hear him say what? Well done what? Good and faithful servant. That's the key. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, Moreover, brethren, it is required of stewards to be found faithful. When you stand before Christ, all he's going to say is, Were you faithful to do what I wanted you to do? So when we think about Daniel was faithful, and I want you to think about he's faithful in a number of ways. First of all, he was faithful to obey the Word of God. He was faithful to obey the Word of God. Do you remember at the, very, at the very beginning when he's 14 years old, 15 years old, he's taken off into captivity, and he's under the Mosaic Law. Of course, that's how he lived. And the Babylonians said, no, we want you to eat this food and this stuff and this stuff. And Daniel goes, that food is not permissible to eat under the Mosaic Law. So he's so wise, he actually goes to the Babylonians and said, can I eat something else? And then you check it out and make sure I'm okay. And they checked it out and it was okay. So Daniel did not have to violate the scripture. And Daniel said, I live my life by the Bible. That was the key in his life. That was the key, that he lived according to the Bible. In fact, in Daniel 1 verse 8, he he would not go contrary to the law in which he lived. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. How about our lives? Do you live your life based on the Scripture? Now, it's real easy until something's a conflict. It's real easy to say, well, I live by the Bible, and then there's something that you want to do or the world tells you to do which is contrary to the Bible. And you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to be like Daniel? Are you going to be faithful to live by the Bible or not live by the Bible? That's why we say you need to study the Scripture. You can know it so you can make application. There's a second thing Daniel was, he was faithful to pray. He was faithful to pray. In chapters 2, chapter 9, chapter 6, he was faithful to pray. 
in chapter 2, they were going to put to, get, to, put to death all of the, the uh, advisors. Daniel was an advisor, so he prayed to God and said, God, give me the information so they won't put us to death. And God gave him the information. In chapter 9, he's confessing his sins and the sins of the nation. In chapter 6, they tell him, you cannot pray to God for 30 days. What does Daniel do? He opens the window and three times a day, he prays just like he always does. He's a man who is faithful to pray. How about you? If you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus went into the synagogue and he taught. When he got through teaching, at the end of the, of the synagogue, he came back to Peter's mother's house. She was sick. They said, she's sick. We want her to fix us something to eat. So he goes over and gets the fever away, and she gets up and she gives them something to eat. Suddenly, there is a crowd of people out the door, and he spends almost the whole night taking each one individually and healing them of their sicknesses. And then it says, very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus went off by himself and was praying. If Jesus Christ was that busy, if Daniel prayed, Jesus prayed, how much do we need to pray? Do you have a time every day that you get alone with God and you talk to him? You read the word, you pray. We call it a quiet time. If that's what set Daniel apart, he was never afraid to pray and talk to God, we should do the same thing. The third thing that made Daniel so important or so special, he was faithful as God's servant. He did exactly what God wanted him to do. He took the information that God gave him. I want to show you this. In Daniel chapter 2, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10 through 12, God gave Daniel revelation, and he was used by God to give that revelation or to make known the revelation. He did exactly what God told him to do. He used the gifts, talents, and abilities that God gave him. And the same thing for us. Every one of us in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have at least one spiritual gift, at least one. Are you using those gifts for God's honor and glory? That's the plan. Your gifts, your talents, your abilities. You think about the people up here playing? They've got talents. They've got abilities. They're playing. They're playing for you. Some of you have different gifts, talents, and abilities. Are you using those for the glory of God? Where are you serving where are you touching lives? The last thing, he was faithful to as a servant to man. And that means that when he worked for the king, he was a faithful servant of Nebuchadnezzar. He was a faithful servant of Darius. He was a faithful servant of Cyrus. He was faithful to whatever he did. In fact, he did his job so well, they could find no fault with him. Every time he did a job, he was promoted. How do we do our jobs? Most of us in this room still work. We go to work, we do our jobs, we do something. Are we doing them for the glory of God? How are we doing? Are we touching lives, examine our lives? So when we see Daniel's character, he was faithful to obey the word, faithful to pray, faithful to serve man, God, and faithful to serve man. Look at your life. Do we obey the Bible? Do we pray? Are we serving God? Are we serving men? Dare to be a Daniel. That's the character of this man. Let's see something else. Let's see the character of God from this book. The first thing I want you to see is that God is a God who is holy. He's the one who reigns. He is set apart from the world. When you say holy, we know that holy means like righteous and good and you don't mess up. But holy, hagios, the Greek word for holy, uh, kabod is the Hebrew word. It means heavy. It means the word holy. It means set apart. 
unique. God is holy. He is set apart from his creation. He's not part of the creation. He controls it all. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one who reigns in righteousness and holiness. That's who he is. He's also the God who reveals. He is the one who, who made known the dreams. When Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, God is the one that gave him the information. And in Daniel 2.22, uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, God is the God who reveals. He's also the God who delivers. You think about the three boys born in the fiery furnace. I love the story, and you do too. And they said, we're not going to bow down before the statue. And Nebuchadnezzar calls them up and says, you've got to bow down. If you don't bow down, I'll throw you in the, the, the fiery furnace. And who can stop me? And the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we understand that. But let me tell you something. You don't have to even question us on this. We're never going to bow down to any God but the true God. And whether God will deliver us or not, we don't know. But regardless, he can throw us in there. But we're, we're going to trust God. And they threw him in there, and God let them go right into the fire, and they came out of the fire, and they were okay. And then I think of Daniel in the lion's den, and they told Daniel he couldn't pray, and Daniel prayed three times a day, just like always. They threw him in the lion's den. They threw him in there, and let me tell you, there's was in a hole in the ground, and the lions were just waiting, and they threw Daniel down in there, and the lions didn't eat him, and he shut the mouth of the lions, and he was there all night, and when the king came and got him out, the king said, are you okay? And he said, God has shut the mouth of the lions. God is a God who delivers and he delivered us, first of all, because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place and deliver us from being separated forever. Because when you trust in Jesus Christ, he delivers you from eternal separation and gives you eternal life. That's the kind of God we have. He is a God who delivers. And last but not least, well, not last, we've got one more after this one. God is a sovereign God. That means he controls everything. In chapter 2 and 4, he's the one that raises up kings and sets down kings. He rules the whole world. And one of the things about it, we don't have to be afraid. We can just trust him because he is the one that's in charge. He is the one that raised up Nebuchadnezzar. He is the one that raised up Cyrus. He's the one that raised up Alexander the Great. He's the one that raised up the Caesars. He's the one that raised up President Trump. He's the one that's raised up uh, the guy in, in Korea, North Korea. Hey, listen, God raises up kings and sets down kings because he is the sovereign ruler of all things and nothing's outside his power. Nothing. Nothing catches him by chance. He doesn't go, I didn't know that guy was going to be in North Korea. I didn't know about that guy. No. God is in control. One more. God is a God who judges. You remember Belshazzar? Do you remember Belshazzar? That was in chapter 5. Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And Belshazzar one time thought he was going to have a party. And so he decided he would take all the items from the Jewish temple, bowls and cups from the Jewish temple that they took when they destroyed the temple, and he was going to make fun of the God of Israel by drinking out of these cups and bowls. And he started the party, and he started drinking, and suddenly the fingers of a man's hand wrote on the wall, and it said, numbers numbered, weighed, divided. You've been numbered, you've been weighed, you've been, you're, you've been counted out, your number's up, it's over with you. And that night... He died. God judges. God is a judge. He loves us more than we can imagine. He judged the nation of Israel and took them right off into captivity. That's what he does. That's what he does. At the end, Jesus Christ will come back. We already saw it. He will come as the king of kings, and he will rule this right world in righteousness and justice, and there will be a thing called the great white throne judgments, which unbelievers will stand before him. And if, and if they've never trusted him, they're called unbelievers, they never trusted him, their names are not found written in the book of life. They will be cast in the lake of fire. God judges unbelievers and rewards believers. That's what he does. So when we think of God, he is holy, he reveals, he delivers, he is sovereign, he's the judge. That's what we see from the book of Daniel. There's one other thing I want you to see, and we'll go quickly. 
And that is this, the revelation of God. What does he give us in this book? And there's so many things. First of all, he tells us about, from Daniel's point of view, the four great Gentile world empires. Now, Daniel only saw four. There were actually five. And I want to show you, if you remember this chart, we showed that there was this head of gold, which was the Babylonian Empire, followed by the Medo-Persian Empire, followed by the Greco-Macedonian Empire, followed by the Roman Empire. Daniel saw all of those. He saw the entire statue. He did not know about the church. That's us. Paul says it was hidden in the Old Testament. And in between these four kingdoms, there's another one. Daniel only saw four. He didn't realize that the ten toes were a ten-king federation in the future, which represented the Antichrist. God, in this book, tells us, and all of this has come to pass, and one day this will come to pass. One day there will be a time on the earth called the Tribulation, a ten-king federation, that's the ten toes, an antichrist, a man called the beast, will come up out of the empires, and he will become the world ruler. The book of Daniel tells us all about that. We see that. There's a second thing that we learn. We see the climax will be the coming of the Messiah. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's called the second coming. There's the first coming of Christ to the earth, the second coming of Christ to the earth. Let me show you this. This is the first coming of Jesus. He came to the earth and died on the cross and paid for sin. Here's the second coming of Jesus Christ as the King of kings, the Lord of lords. If you remember, after Jesus died and rose again, he ascended to heaven. We're in the church age. One of these days, he's going to come in the clouds. The church will be taken out. That was a mystery to the Old Testament. We'll be gone. There'll be that seven-year tribulation. I'll talk more about that in just a minute. That's when the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple, claims to be God. One of these days, Jesus is coming as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will set up a kingdom that will rule on this earth for a thousand years. And then after that, there'll be the great white throne judgment. And after that will be the new heavens, the new earth, Revelation chapters 21, 22, the new Jerusalem. And that's where we'll be forever. One of these days, Jesus Christ will get it all right. Jesus Christ will come back and set up a kingdom and rule. When the earth was formed and God put Adam and Eve on this planet, they were, he was the king of this earth. He was to subdue it and rule the earth. He failed. Satan became the king of the world. He's the prince of the power of the air. One of these days, Jesus is coming as the king. Satan will be gone. Jesus will rule in righteousness and justice. We find that in the book of Daniel. So it's amazing. There is a third thing that we see, and we see the details of the nations, the empires that come and go. We just talked about that. The fall of Babylon, the rise of the Medio Persian Empire, that's chapter 5. The conflict between the Persians and the Greeks, that's chapter 8. Then chapters 10, 11, and 12, the history of the kings of the north and the south. And so we see all the way through that. Daniel 11, that there was Alexander the Great and the Egypt and Syria and Antiochus Epiphanes, which was that bad man we talked about, and the Antichrist is going to come. And we see this prophecy aspect. It was Daniel and the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians and the Greco-Macedonians and then the Romans and now the church age and this is us. And then one of these days, there's going to be a time on the earth called, called, the, called the tribulation in which there'll be an abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel in chapter 9. It'll be a seven-year time period in which he comes in the middle of that and puts his idol up. That's called the tribulation and then Jesus Christ comes. All of that is found in the book of Daniel and we've seen it. One final thing, and that is the details of Israel's responsibility. God promised them 490 years. And we saw that they would start at a certain time, and at the 483-year mark, until the Messiah, 
There would be 483 years from the time it started till the Messiah would die, and then there'll be final seven years. And if you remember this chart that it started in 444 B.C., 483 years passed, Jesus Christ died. We're in the church age. Jewish people still have seven years to go. That seven years is what we call the tribulation. They still have one seven-year time period to go, which the Antichrist comes. That's found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. We took several weeks to go through that as well. There's so much in this book. It is amazing. And so when you look at Daniel, God reveals the coming world empires. Jesus comes as the king of kings. There's information about the various nations. And we find out about Israel's 490 years. All of that is in this book. Some of you were here most of the time, and you got the book verse by verse, passage by passage. Some of you weren't able to come as much, and maybe you got just maybe like chapter 2 or chapter 4 or something. You know that everything we do is on the website. And you can go to the website anytime you want to. Just go into resources. You can either go to audio or video, and you can get the messages. If you miss some of these and you want to go through them, you can get every message. They're all recorded there, both video and audio. Anytime you want to catch up, look at any of these things. So let's make some applications, and that is this. Let's examine our lives and our character. Are we going to be faithful to live according to the Bible like Daniel did? If you're going to do that, you're going to have to know the Scripture that means you're going to have to study the Scripture yourself so you can know what to make application. Second, are we going to be faithful to pray? Men and women who have time in which we talk to our Savior, are we going to be faithful to serve God, taking the gifts, talents, abilities that God's given us and to use them to serve Him? And then finally, are we going to be faithful to serve men? When we do our jobs, when we touch lives for Jesus Christ, are we going to do the best we can do? Are we going to serve as if we're serving God? That's the plan. The second thing to remember is let's praise God for his character. The sovereign God who works all things, who delivers his people, who's working all things according to the counsel of his will, who will save us, judge us, reward us, all of these things, some great things. And then last but not least, the kingdom is coming. It's coming one of these days. Now, before it happens, we're going to be gone. Jesus is going to come into clouds. That's not to the earth, but in the clouds. And all of us who know Christ that are in the church, we're going to be taken off the face of the earth. Then there'll be that seven-year time period, and then the kingdom will come to this earth. Jesus Christ will come as the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the Messiah, will take the throne, and he will rule the world. And as all people will be raised from the dead because Jesus Christ has conquered death, and all believers will be rewarded.